Inverse Genius 33, Fortnite. In this episode, Eric, Don, and Bruce talk about Euro's Feast, Dicey Dungeons, the Instant Pot Duo, and a taste of seduction. Hey, do you know you can go over to podpledge.com and search for Inverse Genius? You'll see our Podpledge page. All that money goes to help support the ongoing podcasting costs, and we truly appreciate it. Thanks. Welcome to the Fortnite presented by Inverse Genius. I'm Bruce. Welcome to the show. Uh, let me just give you a brief concept of what we want to do with this show. It's called the Fortnite uh, because we want to present it every two weeks. And every two weeks, a few of us are going to come on here and just talk to you about things we're enthusiastic about. Not necessarily things we know anything about, not necessarily things we can talk a ton about, but just stuff that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. It might actually be of the last couple of weeks. It might be things that have existed for forever, but we just found them in the last couple of weeks, and they've just in, been a, become a part of our lives. So that's what we're going to do with this show. Uh, once again, I'm Bruce. Hey, thanks for listening. Joining me on the show... Uh, first, uh, I believe they call him the mean man of podcasting. One, Mr. Donald Dennis. Well, why, hello. I, I really thought you were going to throw it to a, our, our other person here first. But uh, yeah, good to see you, everybody. I can be found on the internet as Walsfio. Uh, and I guess that's all you really need to know about me, except for I'm on some other Inverse Genius podcasts. But but I'm going to throw it over to the cool cat of uh, gaming, Mr. Eric Dewey. Well, thank you. Yes, you can find me at ericdewey.com. Hey, Got those New Year's resolutions? How about one of them be fill out the big book of everything? Enough said. Mm. Where can they find that? At ericdewey.com, and it's free. That's the right price, Eric. I agree. (laughs) And I feel like you're being undersold, Dr. Eric Dewey. Dr. Eric Dewey. Well, I don't know if my PhD credentials will come into play in this conversation, but it might. Who knows? (laughs) And who knows through the weeks as we continue to make this show, who knows when it might come up? At, at any point, it could. Uh, so essentially what this show is, at the beginning of most of our shows that we do here, whenever we're talking, at the beginning, we just kind of like tell each other stuff we think is cool. And we're like, well, it's never, it can't make the show because we're doing on board games. It's not about board games or it's inverse genius and we're deep diving into something. Uh, so it's always like the beginning of all the tracks and it never goes anywhere. So that's what this entire show is. So I'm going to open up the floor. Uh, which of you has a thing that you just want to talk about? I have a thing. Okay, <laughs> Eric, talk to me. So for Christmas, my wife gave me a nice hard-covered book called Heroes Feast, the official D&D cookbook. Get the Ooh. hell out of here. I'm t- have, have either of you heard of this at all? I've seen it on Amazon, but I have not actually held it in my grubby little paws. Yeah, so my wife's a librarian. She shelved this book and thought, oh, we, you know, we need this, or I need this. And so, <laughs> all right, so... It is a cookbook with recipes and all that, but it's kind of like, oh, this is what people in D&D eat. And they actually even break it down by uh, campaigns. So you'll have Kryn for Dragonlance. You'll have Farron for Forgotten Realms. You'll have Eberron a little bit, a little bit of Greyhawk as well. Mm. And, uh, and so they also break it down by races. So here's human meals and here's elvish meals and dwarvish meals and halfling meals and then other race meals and and yeah they just they come up with some of these recipes and and then in addition to all of that it's a very it's clearly an art book right there's lots of lavish pictures 
oddly enough, there's not a picture of every recipe, go figure, but there are lavish pictures of some of the recipes. There's a lot of backstory about, oh, I mean, there's one recipe that's functionally chicken fingers, but they, it was from lizard folk. So it was originally halfling fingers. And so they talked a little bit about, you know, humanoid fingers being fried and, and then, uh, and say, but, you know, for contemporary use, you know, we'll use chicken. <laughs> and uh, so They dove into the cannibalism. That's that's awfully bold for the modern day uh, Wizards of the Coast Hasbro thing. That's true. There's halfling stew. You know, a lot of the, the quote unquote evil races, um, they tend to have, you know, halfling stew, but we're replacing it with pork or whatever. Uh, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, I did make a delicious shepherd's pie after Christmas, and there was practically no shepherd in it whatsoever. Shepherd's pie, dwarven recipe. Mm. <laughs> the dwarves seem to be pretty Germanic, Anglican. There's a lot of sausages. There's pies, you know, meat pies and and whatnot. Elvish, go figure. It's very uh, vegetarian-esque or pescatarian. Um and then humans kind of go all around the board. The, the, it's interesting. They kind of talk about how sort of the trigger for this was in the Dragonlance novels. You know, what was the tavern? I can't remember it. The one in the tree that everything starts at. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Otik was the o- uh, owner of it and he had spiced potatoes. And so that sort of kind of triggered the thought. And of course, there's an Otik spiced potatoes recipe in here as well. Back when I was in college, when the Dragonlance thing was considered uh, good gaming fiction, uh, um, the, uh, somebody made up one of the teas from one of the Dragonlance series and it was the foulest brew I had ever had the pleasure of, uh, displeasure of having forced down my throat. Um, so, uh, hopefully your recipes meet with much greater, uh, success. Have you tried any of them yet? I have not. We will be actually cooking some today. Um, here's the, here's kind of the interesting thing. Oh, they do have drinks by the way, both uh, alcoholic and non-alcoholic. And there is a tea in there that I would be. I don't know. I, it's got ingredients. I don't know how they taste, so I don't know that I would brew it. <laughs> it was like Raceland's tea or something. I don't. I don't remember. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he had those bitter herbs. Because he was always he had the consumption or whatever. But if you want to rip out that alcoholic section and send it to me, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll drink those for you. Fair enough. So Bruce, I assume you never read Dragonlance, so all those references go over your head. You know, all of those references go over my head. But there's one thing I do want to talk about, which is: so have either of you been to Origins? Yes. Yes. Okay. So then you know, across the street, the bar across the street every year redoes their entire menu for Dungeons and or Dragons. Right. Bar- yes. Barley's Brew Pub. Yep. Yeah. Barley's Brew Pub because it is my so my dislike of Dungeons and or Dragons is well documented. We don't need to get too far into it here, but every year the people I would go with would not only make me go to Barley's. They would take the normal menu away from me and leave it <laughs> I only had the D&D menu. So I'd be like, can I get a burger? And they go, oh, but Bruce, I believe if you look at your menu, there are no hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, yeah, can I just get a cheeseburger? They go, Argh! have you looked at your menu, Bruce? Because I believe what you need to order and every year, every year I would try to get one, and every year somebody would take them all away from me so that I would have to order, like, let me get the halfling fingers okay, and so this- a, a sugar ale. 
<laughs> Eric has personal experience about how toxic their sauerkraut balls can be because we you know, used to room together to go at Origins. And first stop we would hit before all of the other gamers showed up was Barley's Brew Pub. And I would load up on sauerkraut balls, which turned out to be a gastronomic distress in a little fried package. I can't even imagine because I think I had them once because I've had about everything on the menu because I did origins. I want to say either three or four years. It's all kind of a blur Mm. and we would just like get whatever new weird thing we could find that they would still serve us. Yeah. And often because it was all obscured by me not knowing uh, F all about uh, D&D nor about the menu of Barley's. So like I could pick some parts out, but because Barley's has just some real weird stuff. If you're from the, the straight East Coast coming in, you're like, there's nowhere here where I am on the eastern seaboard where you're just going to find a sauerkraut ball unless you intentionally find like a weird quasi German restaurant. So there's stuff's just weird enough for like a sports bar that I can't quite tell what I'm getting. So I'm like, I guess I'll take the dragon eggs. I don't know. Order the hay. So I'd end up getting some weird stuff. So I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so I have a couple of, couple of comments, a couple of issues. It's been documented in my family that I don't want to be the dancing monkey for your fast food marketers. <laughs> right. So it, this started when Wendy's introduced the biggie size. And I was like, I'm not ordering biggie anything. Right. I'll order, <laughs> I'll order a large, but I'm not ordering a biggie. And then you get, you know, Sonic has little cheeky grillers and I forget there was some other thing. And so, you know, if I'm if if someone's sick and I'm feeling magnanimous, I'll drive go through the drive through and order the little cheeky griller. But otherwise, I want a chicken slider. You know what I mean? <laughs> so oh, I yeah. sympathize with you there. <laughs> I'll tell you, Starbucks, you give me a large. Oh my gosh, oh. I, yeah, I, they- I don't go to Starbucks very often, but I just I I cannot order the venti or the grande. You know, I'm just going to say small, medium, or large, and you can roll your eyes at me, barista, if you want, but. Until you put a translation code up there on the top, I can't do it. I had a I had a friend who absolutely, if he was at Starbucks, he would only order a large, and if he was at Dunkin', he would only order a venti. <laughs> okay, well, that guy's just kind of a jerk. But yeah, but I will say that I go in and I'll ask for yes, I would like the large chai or whatever it is, and they'll say you mean a venti. I said I don't speak Starbucks. You know, <laughs> I speak English. I speak American poorly but uh yeah they, they have to learn i'll say never mind you don't want my money and then they'll soon understand what i'm saying because they don't want to chase away customers <laughs> so two last little comments about the cookbook number one you were talking about how how deep you know some of those references were in the uh in the barley pub uh menu so reading through the book there's this one meal that i think it was Oh, I don't know. It was made by this dragonborn priest of Tiamat (laughs) whose hand was uh, removed and replaced with the hand of Vecna, which is this lich's uh, hand artifact. It's relatively famous in D&D. I know all of this because in the campaign that I'm running, that particular character is actually about to pop up tonight. But in the picture for the meal, they actually have this withered lich hand, you know, just off to the side. And I mean, that is the level of artistic detail that they went through when they're setting up the photos and whatnot. I mean, this this is way more, this is definitely a coffee table-ish type book. <laughs> Wait, so this was a photograph? There's a food photographer that That's had to put right. like a lich hand in? 
That's exactly right. I mean, for all a lot of the, some of the pictures come, you know, just from their vaults of what Watsi has. But you know, a lot of the meals are photographed, and they're all in a fantasy element. Yeah, and this particular one, yeah, there's a lich hand just kind of sitting there. Oh, that's. Great. I was like, okay, this is this is your target market, which actually hit pretty solid on me. <laughs> uh, fits. The other thing is. One area that I was a little disappointed in is that some of these recipes are not very exciting. Like, here's a roast turkey leg. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> I can get a roast turkey leg dozens of places, and I get the thematicness of it. Although, arguably, turkey legs were never in you know medieval England. Um, but so so there was a lot of recipes. Where I was like, oh, that's a cute idea. I'm going to go with a different recipe for what it is that they're trying to do here. Um, but other, all in all, it's a book I never would have picked up, but a book that I'm glad I have. So, well, they probably didn't think you could get your hands on goose drumsticks, you know? So that's, yeah. Yeah. But if I would rather, cause they have, a, they have menus that, and, and of the menus, most of the stuff there is a recipe in the book, but not all of it. And the stuff that isn't is, is obvious. And I would consider a roast turkey leg obvious, but, ah, gotcha. But hmm. so be it. So anyway, uh, my son's having some friends over. They're going to play some D&D tonight. So we're going to be making some of these recipes just for fun. And uh, it's uh, it's an interesting book. If anything sort of piqued your curiosity, I would check it out, either at a library or actually purchase such book. I guess I should get it for my library to check it out now. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> anytime. Anytime. <laughs> for spending my budget. Bruce, what have you got? Okay, so uh, everything I'm about to say is not going to sound like a real Bruce kind of thing. Uh, if you listen to the stuff I do, it doesn't. This is going to sound wrong, but bear with me. So there's a brand new video game I've been playing, uh, just an unacceptable amount of, and it's called Brace Yourselves, Kids: Dicey Dungeons. What? I know. Huh? I couldn't believe it either. Um, the amount of times I stared at this and then read reviews and then stared at it for what was essentially on sale on the switch shop, like an $11 game. Uh, but it really <laughs> hurt me to get this because it sounded amazing. So let's start with, uh, if you have played any of these roguelike, uh, board game video games, Slay the Spire. Are, yep. Slay the Spire by far the most popular one. It is essentially that game but dice. Uh, the entire premise is that Lady Luck, yes, the actual Lady Luck, has grabbed you, adventurer, and then turned you into a die. I, I don't know, because reasons. Uh, and then you must fight through her hordes of enemies to try to get that thing that you want. And for one of them, I think it's for the witch. The witch's entire goal is to get to 100 million followers in social media. Uh, one of them wants all of the world's knowledge, but it's the whole challenge. Essentially, it's a game show run by Lady Luck because it's this mix of it being a dungeon crawler, but then also being a game show with like production lights and wheels of fortune and things. <laughs> and essentially, you are an adventurer. You have a certain set of rules on the dice that you roll. Uh, you roll your dice. You put them out. You attack enemies. They roll dice. They attack you. Uh, wash, rinse, and repeat until you've gotten to the end of the adventure. Mm. I think it's amazing. Okay. And they've done a great job of 
in my opinion, and I could say if you want a more sophisticated game, if you play Slay the Spire and you're like, that is exactly the amount of difficulty and the amount of thought I want in my game, this is so much below that that I could see that this would become boring to you. Also, if you're the kind of person that's deterministic and you need to know that your superior decisions is always how you've won, Dicey Dungeons is going to upset you because you are still rolling dice. And if you've set yourself up for the perfect attacks on even numbers and you roll eight dice and they're all odd, you still lose. <laughs> <laughs> you have put yourself in a place where I can't believe it happened to either, uh, John. I can't believe on eight dice you only rolled odd numbers and you have no way to fix that. But eh, you lose. Uh, have fun. Spend another 40 minutes getting to the end of the dungeon, uh, which mm. I think can be a problem. But each of the different adventurers plays a different way. Some of them will steal things from their opponents, and you get to steal moves you don't normally have. Some get new moves every single turn, so you have to be ready to kind of adapt to whatever will happen. There's the witch, who the witch has to like buy things to put in their spell book and then actually bring them into play. So essentially you have to kind of buy them and bring them in and then be ready to use them. So each adventurer kind of works a different way. The look is completely cartoony. Uh, which I love. It's just way over the top, almost like cut out paperboard cartoon stuff, which I think is fun. Um, I very much enjoy this. I'm a couple of hours in. It is not as compelling and gripping as Slay the Spire, but if you like dice rolling, I think you'd get a kick out of it. So mm. I own Dicey Dungeons and have played okay. Dicey Dungeons. There you uh, go. Because it was sort of in that Slay the Spire genre. Yep. And um, I'm kind of mixed on it. Let me see here. I'm trying to find how much hours I've put into this game. Um, The one thing slightly disappointed was uh, it's always six-sided. I was kind of hoping as you got into some of the other characters, it would be more than six-sided. Seven hours I put into the game. So I've defeated a couple of the the dice. And the gameplay itself is pretty fun. (laughs) The nihilistic cartoon game show started to wear me down, to be honest with you. Oh, so I can totally... For me, nihilistic cartoon game show is my aesthetic. (laughs) <laughs> that uh, checks but, out yeah, that's but all of that is true because yeah nobody in the dungeon relents in the oh so you're gonna die huh everybody no one's happy for you no <laughs> one's like good job besting me pal it's always like oh you've won this time you'll die soon don't worry and yeah that <laughs> never there's never a moment even when you face and sometimes in the game you're facing like cuddly characters where it's like a wolf cub and even the wolf cub's like, oh, you'll meet my dad later, and that'll be awesome, but you're going to die. And then he walks <laughs> off. So yeah, no, th- that does not go anywhere the whole time. Right. I keep hoping, maybe, because refresh my memory, if you win the game, do you get to spin the wheel to try and get your so, ultimate prize? So what happens is, is you essentially begin the game meeting each of your people, and that's still where I am. I'm not going to lie to anybody. I want you to understand. I'm still beating the witch. I'm at the very beginning. I've probably put in two hours, and at the end, you spin the wheel, and you start to learn after about your third character yep. that you're not <laughs> going to win because the first one you miss, and you're like, oh, okay, that happens, and then the second one you miss, and you're like, huh, and then the third one you're like, oh, okay, this is the bit. I don't actually get to win the prize until I win six levels of this. And then maybe I win the prize or maybe it's going to end up being like the running man where I'm going to find out that the three people they put on the screen that had won the running man are actually dead in the maze somewhere. Like, (laughs) yeah, I don't know that this has a happy ending. I am to assume eventually it does, but I really do not know. And it would not surprise me 
if what you learn is uh, life is futile and uh, every every day is a danger, like that would not <laughs> surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. Now, one thing I do like about the game, you, you mentioned it was a little bit lighter. And uh, and I think that fits its theme well because it in sort of encourages experimentation, right? If mm-hmm. you're if you're on the third act of Slay the Spire, you're not going to be playing, hey, let's see what happens when I use this card, right? But in oh, this yeah. one, it's a pretty quick, I want to say it's maybe 15, 20 minutes to make it through the whole uh, the whole level. And you can kind of play, oh, you know, let's see if this piece of equipment works better than the other. And there's there's a lot of flexibility and choices. And then whatever your particular character shtick is, your particular die's shtick is trying to operate that in there. So it is it is a fun little, let's see what happens when I do this. And a lot of the game, like, wants you to experiment. Like, one of them is the thief. And the thief's whole deal is, on the right roll, you can steal your opponent's powers. So I, just for the heck of it, was like, I was in fight number two, and the opponent I was facing could become a bear. And I was like, well, what happens if I steal the bear power? And they're like, oh, you're a bear now. And I'm like, oh, cool, I'm a bear for this fight. No, you are a bear for the rest of the dungeon. (laughs) You have bear powers. No one, anytime you go, like, there are shops where you can buy stuff. Not when you're a bear. When you go, the only thing the shop can sell you is health. And the shop's like, oh, hey, big fella. I don't have anything for you except this apple. And you're like, well, there's more powers for me, right? No, no, you're a bear. You're a bear. You can't operate a sword, bear. Good luck out there. So does that mean that that you uh, can't steal more stuff, more powers? You only no. can be a bear? Once you steal like a permanent power, because sometimes you can do things like um, fireball. And you're like, oh, I steal fireball. And you're like, okay, you're a guy who throws fireballs, but you're still a thief that throws fireballs. Once you become a bear, you're a bear. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a thief anymore. Like literally your whole die changes from like uh, a little thief with like a little dagger to a bear. And you gotcha. that's it. You have like bear growl and bear slice and bear pounce. And that's it. Like anything else you try to do, anything you would normally be given. It's just more of the same bear power. You're like, oh, would you like to have two roars? Okay, you can have it. And you're like, no, I'd like I'd like an effing sword. How about that? And they're like, ah, it's a shame. Look at your paws. <laughs> um, uh, which is kind of neat. It was a detail I didn't expect. I thought I would be a bear for one round. And instead it's a whole, like when you get to the end, you win. And then when you start looking through all the different achievements, it's like, you've won the game as a bear. And I'm like, Oh, okay. This was for <laughs> me to experiment, which is kind of fun to see the game do. Nice. So, uh, there is a uh, dicey dungeons. It's on gosh, darn, probably everything. I picked it up on switch. I know it's also on steam and I'm sure, uh, so either is or will soon be on whatever video game uh, box or device of of your choosing. Gotcha. Uh, so, so, Donald, what are you what are you bringing us this week? This two weeks? This fortnight? Uh, I've got so many things to 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 talk about. I think I'm going to default since Eric talked about uh, the cooking thing. I've got a cooking thing that I have recently acquired. Um, I've got myself in one of the Instapot duos, Instant nice. Pot duos, and I've never really played around with uh, pressure cookers ever since. My mom and dad showed great fear for the one that they used to put on the stovetop at at their house back in Magnolia Park. And okay. I was like, yeah, I, I don't need that in my life. That seems stressful and horrible. But <laughs> having having heard Ken and Robin and a bunch of other people talk about how cool their Instant Pot is, and uh, this one is electric, so I don't have to put it on the stove, and it's got all kinds of sensors and stuff built in. 
you can sear stuff in the bottom, you know, uh, saute or whatever, and then close it up and, and having put all the right things in there. And it has done some amazing things. I did learn a couple of couple of very important things about the instant pot. It's like, if you are making uh, your home fresh cranberry sauce in the instant pot, let it natural release instead of pushing the eject the steam button, because otherwise cranberry flavored napalm is likely <laughs> to spray all over your house. Uh, or at least a big chunk of your kitchen, uh, because you know it was below the fill line, and you thought, "Oh, if it's below the fill line, it's safe. I can do the release." But no, that's not the way cranberries work. Apparently, they bubble the heck up, and you push the button, and the cat runs into the other room, never to return. Your <laughs> cabinets are uh, look like you know part of the shining has occurred therein, and uh, you're frantically checking the roof to see you know how bad the, the ceiling wax is. So. Uh, yeah, uh, don't don't use the uh, pressure release valve when you're doing anything that's particularly sticky or uh, uh, you know blood colored. I guess would be a good best. So, but I've I've I played around with it quite a bit. Uh, made uh, Alton Brown's chili in it uh, twice already. I've done uh, you know prep for uh, the homemade lasagna that we're going to make by cooking the uh, the sausage and hamburger meat in there, and so we've got bags of that in the freezer. Uh, all kinds of other things that I've made. I made the uh, world's biggest pot of freaking chicken soup. Uh, nice. That was, uh, I learned a lot from that one. Let's just say that. Don't put a whole bag of noodles in uh, to the chicken soup, the big bag of egg noodles. That's too many. No That's matter a lot what, of egg noodles. No matter what the lady on YouTube says, don't do it. Uh, <laughs> and uh you know, and a lot of the time you don't even, you, you should have a recipe and I'm not saying don't have a recipe, but if you don't have a recipe, you can still throw things in that sound like they make sense. And it's probably going to come out all right. Just uh, make sure that if you don't have the one that has the automatic locking thing that you set the vent to close, mine does that already. And that you put enough water in there to make sure you get a seal. And, oh, and uh, not that this happened. It almost did, but make sure you put the sealing ring in. Otherwise it won't ever get pressure and it'll just burn off. So a couple of tips there. So then have you made the, the one recipe everyone suggests, which is Mississippi pot roast? I have made a pot roast in it, but I'm unfamiliar with the Mississippi pot roast. Oh, so. just look at folks, Donald and everyone out there. Oh, actually, I made brisket, not pot roast, but um, uh, I'll, I'll look it up. Mississippi pot roast sounds Mississippi like a good pot thing. roast and it has some weird ingredients because it's like, hey, you should put in a fatty piece of meat and then you should put in too much butter. And you're like, but I put in fatty meat and it's like, shut up, just put in butter. And then <laughs> it's like, oh, also buy some pepperoncinis and dump those in. And you're like, you're you're, you're drunk. Go home, Mississippi pot roast. And then mm -hmm. it's like, hey, why don't you get some like ranch dressing mix? and dump that in too. And you're like, why am I even following this anymore? And then you eat it and you realize why you followed it. Uh, <laughs> my, my brisket involved a, uh, an onion soup mix packet or two, uh, and all the garlic, um, that that's fit to garlic. And nice. It was amazing. Um, did figure out though, that when I made my shepherd's pie the other day, that if you put in enough, you know, garlic and, and sauteed carrots and, and onions, it turns very sweet instead of being savory <laughs> like huh. I, added, I added no sugar to this but you know a uh, a lot of carrots a lot of onions and a lot of garlic all sauteed to uh their almost brown you know condition makes yeah. it makes it tasty sweet uh huh. which means i got to eat a lot of shepherd's pie because my wife was like that's too sweet i'm not into that 
<laughs> Fair enough. So, also, so, a thing to note out there, if you have one, is that rubber ring that that gasket that yes. gets up to pressure. Is that if you make sweet things with it, it will retain a certain amount of the sweetness. Mm. Same if you do like heavy savory. It's not enough, like, it shouldn't be enough to completely turn a dish the other way, but if you only use it to make, like, sweet custards, and then all of a sudden you make a pot roast, you're going to find your pot roast just tastes a little more vanilla-y than you may have expected. Yeah, well, I've got four different rings uh, at this point. I've got the white ones are for all the savory dishes, and the, the other colored ones are going to be for for things that are not that. Nice. So, And I've made rice. My uh, son was like, I need rice with this chili that you made. And I'm like, well, give me 15 minutes and you'll have perfectly cooked rice. <laughs> and he's like, no, that's not necessary. I'm like, dude, really? I just throw it in there. I push the button and it won't burn. Like when we cook it on the stove. So there you go. So hearing about the instant pot makes me think immediately of fried chicken inside said pot, which then makes me think of an experience the three of us have had, which might be a nice little capstone to this quick Fortnite episode nice. of watching a taste of seduction. So I watched it today, actually today. Oh, you did. So you hadn't seen it. Yet. Oh, nice. That's right. So for those of you who are wondering what porno Cinemax film we're talking about, this is a 15-minute video on YouTube produced by KFC and Lifetime, which is basically if you were to condense down any Lifetime Hallmark romance movie into its key pieces and make a film, and the main character, the desirable character in this is the colonel, this is what you get. <laughs> Harlan Sanders himself. Indeed. Mario Lopez playing Harlan Sanders. And I got to say, first things first, I get to be sort of a sucker for like Hallmark movies, especially around Christmas time. I'll watch one or two, even though it is, you know, it is the diet water of of movie <laughs> entertainment. It is exactly I, diet water. Yes, exactly. But I appreciate Everybody is functionally good, except, of course, for the person that the desired person is with at the beginning of the movie, because, you know, they got to be turned out to be some sort of evil person. Shunt them off to the side. Anyway, so I love I love the genre. And this little this movie, in my opinion, took itself exactly as seriously as it needed to. It, it definitely like it constantly was winking at you, but it wasn't constantly literally winking at you. Exactly. Uh, which was perfect because Mario Lopez did exactly what he was supposed to do. And what I thought it did really well was it was specifically a Lifetime movie. Yep. And what that means is is it's a Hallmark movie. It was a 15-minute movie. It's a Hallmark movie for eight minutes where, oh, we love each other and he's bad for you and I'm good for you and look at this chicken I made. And then it takes this off-the-rails sci-fi <laughs> network turn. We're like, wait a minute, what? Did... Did the mother just kill a guy? Did, <laughs> rewind that. She because, bludgeoned him with a cricket mallet, right? Yeah, because, that's exactly what she did. Yeah, because you, if you, if you're flipping through your guide of your cable, your satellite dish, you look at a Hallmark movie. It's like you know, Home for Christmas, or you know, the wrong <laughs> fiance. And if you look for at the Lifetime movies, it's I murdered my ex. Or babysitter slaughter, right? <laughs> and so just mash those two together. Yeah. You got little herbs, you got a little spices, put them together. 
And I mean, this is just another case, and I, I've talked about it, I think, before the video game they made, the uh, the dating sim. And what so far KFC has been really good at is this weird marketing, this avant-garde, uh, almost Dadaist marketing campaign that they've put together. Where they're like, oh, well, this year we're uh, we're going to make a Yule Log that smells like 11 herbs and spices and 80 people can buy it. But next year it'll be at Walmart. And they're like, oh, well, we're going to make a Japanese dating <laughs> sim game. Yeah, that's just a thing. We do. Why not? Let's do that now. Or, hey, <laughs> we decided to work with Supreme and we've made a street apparel brand for three days. And they just seem to keep knocking it out of the park because they're letting the thing that they work with be its authentic self. And they're like, no, could you just put a coat of KFC paint all over it inappropriately, but still be you? And so far, they found partners that have been really good at that. I can't wait until they do the uh, the Oreo crossover where you have KFC flavored filling and then you have Oreo crunch flavored batter. Um, oh, if at, only. At there. So it's like they'll have that mix of the two or maybe just deep fried Oreos that you can buy there. Uh, but that's that doesn't sound nearly as much fun. No, I also heard Lady Gaga just got an, or- an Oreo completely unrelated. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Oreo seems like they're ready to play. And that may be, I don't think that's as far off a thought as one may think that maybe next year the marketing thing is a uh, weird KFC Oreo. That, that would be hilarious. Uh, now, I don't watch any of the kinds of movies that these are based off of. They are not in my area of interest. Uh, I have no appreciation for the form. Let's say it that way. Um, and all I felt whiplash the entire time I was like, these guys are moving at warp speed. Oh, yeah. There is no development. There is no. no explanation for the turn. There is no what the we've heck got, is going on. But we've Connie got like six up. places. We got six plot points we got to hit, and we got 15 minutes to do it. <laughs> exactly. Connie was sitting on the couch there just laughing because she will watch that stuff when I'm not in the house. Or when I say, I need to work on something on my computer, put on something I will not care about. And she will throw that up on the screen and I don't pay attention to television for two hours and it is wonderful. Um, but yeah, I just, it was fun. Uh, it felt a little rushed. Uh, oh, definitely. And it's definitely worth doing as part of this, you know, cultural gestalt of, hey, what weird nonsense is KFC up to now? They're not taking it too seriously, so you shouldn't take it seriously enough to be offended by it. Just go be amused for 15 minutes and enjoy it. Kind of like when they announced their gaming console. Like, all right, whatever. Just hilarious. You got your, you got my eyeballs for one article read. I'm done now. And I think the thing to note is, like, because you, you, you're not a fan of the form. But if you are, like, they did a pretty good job squeezing it into 15 minutes. Like, sometimes you just have to accept in Sharknado that there is a tornado of sharks. Like we just have to, there's no, we can't take any time telling you about that. Right. There is it. We called it Sharknado. You know, the word shark and tornado. Yes, that's what it is. And we got to keep moving. I mean, the um, warning was in the name really guys. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's a certain amount of what this did, but yeah, no, there's no time to, to make the slow turn of how the mother has to murder a guy with a cricket bat. Well, she's just going to have to do it because we have six more minutes left to wrap this puppy up. Excellent. I know. And I have questions like the ex-fiance. How did he get away with it? (laughs) Um, Nothing is fixed. Right. Yes. 
<laughs> oh, the, the one other thing that I want to talk about, you know, we, we mentioned that it was kind of, you know, it was smiling at you the whole time, but did it in such a way. Mario Lopez's hair to me, every time he was on the sh- on screen, that was the wink and the nudge. And we just would chuckle at that because it was so perfect. And yet, you know, genre perfect and you know, logo perfect, I guess. And now was it just me or was it a slightly different color every scene? Uh, it I may have know. been. I didn't it could have been lighting. That, but but I could totally see that they would have done that. So. But yeah, so, I loved it. I mean, he, the casting was pretty amazing for what they were having the folks do. Um, none of them looked like they were taking it too seriously, but also they were into it, right? You know, so that's good. Indeed, indeed. And with that, thank you so much for listening to the Fortnite. We talked about the D&D cookbook. We talked about Dicey Dungeons. We talked about uh, everything wonderful that is the Instant Pot. And then we just finished telling you a little bit about uh, KFC's latest marketing campaigns, because <laughs> why not? Uh, mm. Feel free on Inverse Genius to tell us things you're excited about over these two weeks. We'd love to take a look at them, maybe talk about some of them on a future episode. I've been Bruce. Joining me in the show has been one Mr. Donald Dennis. Thank you, everybody. And one Dr. Eric Dewey. hey And thank if we, you. If we're going to call him doctor, you can call me master. I got that. Uh, okay. Uh, like, do I have to just call you master? Because that's <laughs> not cool. That's not our relationship, Donald. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, but it's in I, the contract. I've been Bruce Vogue. I'm Donald Dennis. Master Donald Dennis. (laughs) I'm Eric Dewey. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.